like, oh, I don't care about heat. Like, that's going to be okay. And I actually didn't. The heat didn't bother me, right? Um, the bugs didn't bother me. I had bug spray and I had sunscreen uh-huh. on all the time. <laughs> the one thing that I want to say I'll complain about the most, mm-hmm. which is a petty thing, is the temperature of the drinks. And I say that because... <laughs> So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have a thing, and this is in the U.S. as well, right? Uh huh. I hate room temperature drinks. Like oh. that is a pet peeve of mine. No matter what it is, unless it's like something that's supposed to be hot, like tea. I yeah. hate. You don't understand when people bring me water in a restaurant and they don't put ice in it. I get so mad, and I try not to get mad at the waiter. I just ask them for ice. But it makes me so mad. And I know, and I know this, that it's healthier <laughs> to drink things at room temperature or warmer because I have digestive problems and my oh. doctor told me that. Mm-hmm. However, my digestive problems are already bad. So it's like, I'm going to drink what I want to drink. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Jarena as the guest. Jarena as an undergraduate student was able to take a freshman writing course in London and then later she became uh, very passionate about educational policy and that led her to study away in Washington DC where she spent a semester working as an intern for the Department of Education while also taking classes. And then during the summer of this year, she spent a few weeks in Sri Lanka studying agricultural development and political economy. So uh, she's been able to go to some pretty cool places and do some very interesting things while there. And so she spent some time telling me about all of that. And uh, Jarena really loves to help people, so she had a lot of practical information to share. Uh, But not only that, she was very forthcoming about some personal things as well. Uh, She has lupus, and so she explained to me about the uh, different ways that she's learned to be proactive and to take care of herself over the years. And uh, she also had a very heartfelt story um about what led her to be interested in educational policy in the first place so uh, i hope you are able to learn a lot from what she has to say and without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend jarena walker okay man (laughs) no it's cool it's cool wow still a busy day for you well I mean, it seems like you you're rolling with it as it comes. I feel like I don't. I know I probably wouldn't be able to keep up the type of schedule you have, but and I know you probably it wears on you sometimes too. But yeah, um, you know you can only do what you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm still I'm still really glad that we got to. Um, be able to get together. I know there were like mm-hmm. issues and stuff, but I'm I'm just really glad to be able to talk to you today, and I appreciate you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and um, let's see. Well, I guess we can just start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, of course. So I'm Drina Walker. Um, I was in James Madison College at MSU. Um, I majored in social relations and policy and political economy, specifically um, unofficially focusing on educational policy K through 12 this year, 2018. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. And as far as like, um, like post college, like what I really care about um, in general is just advocacy that focuses on K through 12 um, mm-hmm. public education, especially in urban settings, but honestly in general. Okay. So like education policy is something you're really passionate about. Yeah, super yeah. passionate about. Super passionate about. It's good. It's good. And congratulations to you for graduating. You walked in oh, yeah, in May, you. right? Thank yes. Oh my god, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's so great. That's so great. Um mm-hmm. and so you did yours you went this summer, right? So you Yes. You did your so I I did two study abroads and I did one study away. Okay. Which, you know, study away is domestic, but it's different. Like, six mm. mm-hmm. so, okay. So you said you did two study abroads, one study. So, which one did you do first? And when, when was that? The first one was um, in 2015. It was in London. Okay. And it was for um, a, cl- a writing class in James Madison called MC um, 112 which is basically our identity and community yeah. course. Um, the second thing I did was the study away, which was in Washington, D.C., okay. which is um, James Madison makes you do something called Field Experience, which is an intense internship. Um, and basically, I went to D.C. and I worked for the Department of Ed under the Secretary's office. Um, and I also, when you're in that program, you also have classes. So you work Monday through Thursday full time. Wow. And then you also have classes on Fridays. Um, and then, so yeah, you do that for a whole semester. So it's kind of like you're an exchange student, kind of, sort of. Mm. But not necessarily because, you know, it's domestic. So I honestly really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, and that was in 2016. Yeah. And then, um, which was during the elections uh, semester. Oh, so that was interesting. Yeah. And then the last one was this year um, in 2018, summer, which. Mm, nice. And you were in, was it mainly Sri Lanka or did you go to Sri Lanka and India when you were away this so summer? It was, so the way that the trip was initially, it was supposed to be Sri Lanka and India. However, um, while we were there, while the group was there in Sri Lanka, the disease at will. A disease was it a virus? I think it was a virus had broke out um, in India exactly in the area that we were going, mm-hmm. and there was no um, there's no cure for it. It's kind of like an intense flu, but okay. like a dozen people had died from it because it was it, with it not being a cure, it was solely based on how strong your immune system. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> On a regular day-to-day basis, um, my immune system is not the best. Mm. So um, the dean, as well as the professors um, of the program, they told us while we were in Sri Lanka, and um, they gave us the option to not go if you, you know you didn't want to or if your family worried. So uh, I didn't go, but so it would have been three weeks in Sri Lanka than a week in India. But so I just did the three weeks. In Sri Lanka. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. 
protect your health. So that totally makes sense. <laughs> there were some people who did go, and the people who did go, they're, they can't catch it. They're perfectly fine. Um, they really thoroughly enjoyed the program. I just couldn't take that risk. Right. Couldn't take that risk. Totally understandable. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess, I guess we can go in chronological order. You went to London. Mm -hmm. Was it London or specifically? Is, is that what you said? It was London specifically, London. yeah. In mm -hmm. 2015. I did not know that there was like a study abroad component for 112. Was that new? No, but they, they added that later. They added that right. later. And I think it. Because that's the funny. freshman class, right? Yes, yes. Because okay. you know they have freshman seminar study abroad, but yeah. they added this later as a subsidized trip um for people who otherwise couldn't you know wouldn't be able to afford mm. study abroad like on purpose there was a um and i can start talking about it um mm. so this kind of goes into the why i chose this trip um i actually my freshman year started a little later because i did start in 2013 but i got really sick so i actually had to take off for school for a while so technically I did five years. Um, if you want to include the break of me taking off and medically withdrawing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't do the one twelve to two thousand and fifteen. I did it the spring of two thousand and fifteen. Gotcha. So um what happened is that when the trip was presented, like I said, it was presented as to be a trip for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. Now there were people who definitely could afford it that still mm -hmm. went. But like, and there was no, I don't, I don't think they probably, there probably were limitations as far as account, but it wasn't like an excessive amount of number of people that actually, um, you know, wanted to go. So everybody who applied that like were eligible could go. Yes. And it wasn't just one, I went with 112, but they actually merged it also with for SRP with 380. So with mm -hmm. social policy and with the 112 class, it was about World War II. And it was um, specifically focusing on the influences that it had. Like it was like a rethinking World War II um, class. Okay. We focused on how it affected um, the differences of the U.S. versus London, mm -hmm. um, Britain as a whole, but specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I liked that it was really cool, but I, I did it because um, because it was a cheap opportunity mm -hmm. to study abroad. Right. Plus, I've always wanted to go to London, yeah. so that's. That's why, because the program fee cost was um, not including tuition and you know your flight, but the fee program cost was only seven hundred dollars. Oh, wow. and that was for yeah, that was for everyone. So no matter what your income was, yeah. and then your income was a certain level, you got a two thousand dollars scholarship on top. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, and that's not even that's not even going outside of like James Madison, like James Madison specifically gave you an additional 2000 and you could have outsourced got more money. So. Mm, wow. Okay. That's so good mm -hmm. that y'all didn't have to, to worry about money as yeah. much as you might in other situations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was it like you took the class at MSU and then you went to London for like a certain amount of yeah. time? Okay. So that, so the London class, um, it was like that. So we had, I think we met for either... It was either once a week or twice a week. I don't remember. I want to say it was once a week for two hours. So we met. Um, you met with your 112 professor, and then after that, um, we went there for London for two weeks. Mm -hmm. 
how we got there, the way that the program was, was um, we were, we have class basically every, you know, Monday through Friday. I, I want to say we probably had like one Friday or one day where we had a free day, you know, three days, but it was very lax. Like it did not feel like super high stress. The days were not tremendously taken up with academic work. Like you would probably have class for like two hours, literally, and then you can do whatever you want to do. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, there were some days where we had class and activities, and that would be a little different. But it was never anything extraneous. Like, it would be, like, go to, like, a, a World War II museum or talk to... Uh, we got the chance to talk to a, a spy. Um, oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was really cool. And they were, of course, older. But um, it was cool because they remembered a lot of stuff still, you know, so it was really interesting. We also got to talk got to talk to a spy and we got to talk to a woman who was a prisoner in one of the camps. So mm-hmm. that was really, you know, emotional and interesting. Yeah. So um, it was really cool. I really liked it. Um, it was- yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's really great. Um, and was this your first time? traveling internationally when you went to London? Yes. Um, it was definitely my first time. I had, I mean, like, people, you know, go to Canada, whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I actually never even, like, I went to Canada when I was a kid with family, but I don't remember it, so yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but actually, going to London, but what I did, um, you know, you have to have a passport to go, and virtually I had family members who had enhanced license. So they drove me to Windsor, mm. and it was, I think, I want to say it was through Air Canada, okay. and the difference in the ticket from that, from the freight, was $800. Wow. So my trip, my round trip from uh, technically Windsor, or Canada, mm-hmm. to London was 800 and the one from Detroit was 1500 Wow. Yeah, so and some people... Like, go so ahead. Way cheaper instead of going, way like, cheaper straight from Detroit, flying, even though it seems kind of, like, counterintuitive. Yeah. Going to Windsor, flying from Windsor to Toronto, from Toronto to London was actually cheaper than, wow. You know, I have heard that before, and it's just like, wow. That's like... (laughs) If you take a flight from, because some people are actually from Lansing, and elsewhere Mm -hmm. from Lansing, if you take a flight from Lansing to go to most places, you have to stop in Detroit. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same with the deal with like Windsor and um Toronto. Because I think Windsor and Toronto are like three hours or three and a half hours. Don't quote me on that. But um but no, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It was not bad whatsoever. Okay. Um yeah, it wasn't bad. Nice. And were you um well you said you'd always wanted to go to London, so like were you nervous at all? Being that it was your first time going to a, a different country, or not at all. Yeah. Um, one, it helped because um, several of my friends and one of my best friends actually mm-hmm. went on you, so I didn't feel like alone or anything. And people that I had class with, like I actually liked them. <laughs> <laughs> that it was helps. almost like I was going with a group of friends. Yeah. Um, and then also like. I have mixed emotions, right? So, like, there was some emotions about, um, there were some emotions about, like, going into London and, like, a lot of people, at least I, okay, I want to speak for others, but myself, 
I was mm-hmm. under the exception by other people talking about it, but like London or Britain in general. It's like, yes, racist guys. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, this should be great. <laughs> no, I mean, as far as like actual like people interactions, I was like excited. But I was also, this is something that a lot of people know about me. Um, I actually really like fashion a whole lot. Oh, it's just okay. the fact that I can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't afford it, nor do I have the patience to actually like really care for it for real with um, being how busy I am. Yeah. So, um, so I was really excited to go there for that. And then also um, just to like see a place. I mean, it was also interesting to me with uh, specifically World War II, a lot of people, a lot of black people from different island countries or island mm. territories yeah. Um, yeah. went to Britain to fight there. And like, there's a whole diaspora with that. And I was really fascinated to like, see that and like interact with those people. Mm-hmm. I did only have one concern and it's the same concern I had with all the other times, which was my health. Mm-hmm. Um, because in 2014, when I started having health symptoms, Mm. Um and just for the I have lupus. Okay. So like with that, um I was really I, I wasn't so scared because they gave us stupid health care over there in London. But I was scared in the sense that um I didn't get diagnosed at that time. Because that mm-hmm. was the time where I didn't I didn't there was a period where my dad lost his job and we didn't have insurance. Mm. Um so I didn't know like what's going on. I didn't know what was the next thing that could happen yeah. so I was just really scared and at that time I really walked really I already walked really slow now like now that I'm over that period mm-hmm. but then I walked really really slow mm. and I got really really tired really <laughs> so I was like oh my god in London I mean anywhere in Europe you walk a lot like you yeah. don't drive like public transportation so I was like oh my I, I underestimated that actually I was concerned about it but I underestimated how much it would be so, um, yeah, I was pretty like, and that actually, um, and I'm like foreshadowing right now, but that actually went into my regret was that, um, because a lot of days, lunch in the house that we have free time, right, right. We, a lot of my friends or people in the program would like go out and explore. And there were probably at least two days out of the 14th year where I literally just had to stay in bed because mm. I was just too. I kind of defeated myself because in hindsight, I feel like I could have pushed myself more to do it. But I was too, I felt too defeated. And I was like, I have to like, Yeah. Time. Well, I mean, you know, you have to rest, you know. And at, yeah. you said at that time, you weren't diagnosed. So you didn't even know it was going yeah. on with you at the time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it was a bummer, but um, <laughs> you did what you could. I mean, it's two days. You still did yeah. stuff with all the rest of the time. Yeah, I still, had a, I still had a lot of fun. So it was, yeah. it was cool. So is that what you, if you were like walking around and you were getting tired, you felt like you had to move really slow. um, Mm -hmm. Did you just like take break in a group? Did you ask them to like wait for you? So So, you were like lagging behind. So I am a person who do not like when people, I do not like holding up other people, nor do I like people waiting on me. Yeah, um, it's like a, it's kind of like a pride thing, but it's also like a, it's it's less of a pride thing and more than a like me putting others before myself. Mm. Um, so one so whenever whenever it would happen, I would just literally try to push myself. I wouldn't take breaks. Um, there were some times where specifically with London, but the other ones, yeah. like in Sri Lanka, I definitely took breaks. <laughs> 
But um, in London, Professor Pegler Gordon was just amazing. Like she, um, she knew about, and this is another thing too, another tip too, is if you do have any disabilities, to make sure that you connect with RCP, which is Resources Center for Disabilities. And it covers yeah. I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Could you repeat that, please? What is it called? No, yeah. Resources Centers for Persons with Disabilities. And okay. it covers all disabilities, educational, um, learning, um, mental, any. It's basically, instead of disabilities, think about it like health. Because okay. people get discouraged when they hear disability and be like, I don't have a disability. Yeah. And it's like, you probably do. <laughs> so, um, problems. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So what they do is they give you something called a visa. I honestly forgot what it's for. Mm-hmm. It's like verify something, something. But it basically, um, it mandates that your teacher has to acknowledge like your disability. Mm-hmm. So like I gave that to Professor Gordon and like, but I feel like certain professors don't even need they believe yeah. that you know, most professors are genuine people and they mm-hmm. don't need a sheet of paper that you know there. And mm-hmm. Professor Gordon just paid attention to me whenever we were in groups. Now when we were like leisurely walking, like when I was with my friends hanging out, they would just pay attention and walk slower. But when it was with a group of classes, a lot of people like walked fast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, um, what would happen is she would just walk with me. So, the, because there were two professors, oh, two classes, yes. like that professor would lead and be in the back. Oh. <laughs> so, we would walk slow. So, that was really helpful. That's so good. That's yeah. so good that she walks with you. Yeah. 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 She I, very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's so good that the professor, Peggy Gordon, actually walked with you. Yeah. you know, oh, yeah. She's like, amazing. Yes. She's amazing. You didn't have to feel like you were, you know, the one person everybody was waiting on. And you were holding yeah. everybody up. It was like, no, you had somebody by your side. And that's that's so good. That must yeah, have been really, really encouraging, you know. It was. It was. Yeah. So, okay. Wonderful. And um, so, so that's good then. Your first time going out of the country was really kind of a, um, a really good situation. And uh, not just academically, but, you know, with your health concerns also, yeah. it worked out. That's really good. And um, so that was in 2015. And then you did the study away in D.C. Mm-hmm. Was that, I'm sorry, was that a full semester or a full year yes. that you did? It was semester. a full semester. Full okay. semester. Mm-hmm. So you were basically going to school and also working in D.C. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'd heard of study away. I just didn't. I don't know. I never looked much into it because I guess mm-hmm. I was always focused on the whole like study abroad part of it. But yeah. um, was it? Did you do that specifically because you wanted to be in DC? Yes. Yeah, so for study away, so for um, I was one of those people when I first got to Madison. Um, I was actually pretty proactive, mm-hmm. um, just because I am very thankful towards the spirit, the gods, and the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I've been in college, I've known exactly what I wanted to do. And I know that that doesn't happen for everyone. Right. And when I got there, um, although at first I did thought I wanted to do law and I switched that. That was the easy <laughs> switch. But I don't count <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so when I got to Madison, um, my freshman year, when I was one of those people, when you got the AMC booklet, I saw a field experience, I was like, I want to start looking up stuff. Right. So, um, when field experience time finally came, I was like super on it. 
And I had, um, at the same time, I had fallen in love with me. I kind of went to probably like once or twice mm-hmm. before um, I actually did my field experience. Um, and I was like, I want to be there. Because the thing was, for field experience, um, you can use the, the money to pay for your field experience. You could just use your regular money that you would get from your scholarships mm-hmm. um, for, for the regular school year. Okay. And then there's also scholarships on top of that. Um, yeah. And also... Um, there are some food experience jobs that actually pay you too. So like you will get paid for your work. Mm. So for me, I um, knew I wanted to be in DC. There were a few factors that I knew that were like definite. And that was solely because, not because I just wanted to be in DC, but also because um, I was like, I can get an internship in East Lansing whenever I want. Like, I can do that whenever I want. I can get an internship in Detroit whenever I want. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do something different. And then I was like, if I do go to D.C., I want to do something that I can't do here. Because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people that was in my cohort um, interned for, like, U.S. Senator Debbie Stebnow. Um, and that's no shade to them. But I was just like, I can do that in Michigan. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to D.C. <laughs> and do something I could do. Yeah. So what I did was... Um, my number one choice was the White House, of course. Everyone has. Um, I applied to some of the most competitive offices. Um, but I will say that when you apply to the most competitive ones, you're going to get, it's going to be the most competitive candidates. Right. So I like to tell people when they apply to very competitive stuff to not, to go into it um, with an open mind. Not to say yeah. to be negative, but to don't go in there like, I know I got like going there like I, I did all I could my application is the best and if I don't get it then hey, I don't you know yeah. that's how I went into it like don't get me wrong when I got the email I was a little sad but I wasn't defeated you know mm. um, especially because I got my second oh honestly the White House and the Department of Ed were like kind of one together okay um and at first with the Department of Ed I actually got rejected I applied to one office and it was the, um, uh, it's funny because this office name is a little redundant, but it's the Office of Congressional and Legislative Affairs. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like congressional and legislative because like con- um, congressional refers to like federal and legislative affairs. Okay. okay. I'm assuming that, that, <laughs> that, that has both of those names in it. But, um, but yeah, and I didn't get it. And when I didn't get it, I'm not going to lie. Because at the same time, like, all of my um, cohort people were getting, not only getting offers, but they were getting offers that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at this time, I wasn't getting any offers at all. Not only was I not getting um, offers I didn't want, I wasn't getting any. Like, some people that I applied to just responded back to me. Then, like, the White House. And this one, I just didn't get it. So I was, like, yeah. a little sad. But the lady who interviewed me, she still was impressed by me. So she was, she told me that she was going to circulate. As a Department of Ed, they do um, circulations with intern with intern uh, profiles. So she basically circulated my resume, and so uh, they have an intern coordinator, and like people can mm-hmm. like talk to the coordinator and get different people. So fortunately, after that, I had two people who interviewed me from the office of the secretary and both of them offered me a job. And it was funny because I had to decide which one. And it was honestly super hard, like so Mm -hmm. hard, but I wound up choosing the, um, so it's within the office of the secretary, the team is strategic partnership. 
So we basically uh, focused on literally everything you can think of. Because everything we do. Um, stuff with... Because my, my boss... Um, and she was from Detroit. And she actually went to Jimby herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing because when she interviewed me... And once we started talking and she realized I was this urban black girl... She was even more excited to hire me as her intern. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with it being that was election season. And she was an appointed official. So I was her last intern. Oh, so okay. um, with, with the DC program... When you go, so there's two ways to go to DC. You can go there on your own, non-academic, and you can do work. Mm-hmm. Um, no classes. Or you can go there, because there's the actual study away program, mm-hmm. and then there's just you doing a field experience, as if like you were doing it in East Lansing or wherever you yeah. live, right? So I chose to do it with um, the study abroad program because they provided housing, and it was um, built to your MSU bill. And then on top of that, I actually wanted a grade. I didn't want pass or fail because I knew I could come out with a really good GPA from this. Mm. Um, and the professors were public uh, political science uh, professors, um, so that was a, a different shift. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't make it any harder. They just communicated different, and that was the hardest part for me. But it wasn't bad. But with the DC program, um, I like to tell people. Because actually there's a girl who, um, what they do with the program is they really try to like help you. So like for me going, after you go and you become an alum, they have you like turn in all your information, like all the places you applied to, contacts, like yes or no. Um, if you like had a connection with somebody, so like you can help the next people and that mm-hmm. like, that information was And um, a girl reached out to me and asked for help with the Department of Ed. And the thing that I like to tell people is um, don't go for the title. Go for, I mean, if that's something that's important, right? look for stuff that's important. And um, because almost a lot, there were a lot of things. Like I, I even turned down, because the Department of Ed, none of the departments pay you as an intern. Like mm-hmm. they do, they do, departments, you have the ability, they will give you a, um, a travel site. Mm. For you type in, you got to do it online. When you, like, turn, they're going to ask you, like, where are you living? And, like, what's the address of the department you're working at? Yeah. And then they're going to calculate how much they should give you um, per month. I mean, it's not a reimbursement. It's, like, you type in. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to pay for that. And I think it was, like, usually, like, 20, I mean, 200 and some dollars per month. So that was really cool. But um, other than that, they do not pay you. Okay. Um, so I like to tell people to... to Label was important to you because, like, for me, I got scholarships. And I also, when I was in D.C., I knew a lot of people there. So I had, like, friends um, for – they never, like, supported me in a monetary way. Just <laughs> but I actually babysat while I was in D.C. Oh, okay. And that's where I made my extra money from. And I took I took my car, too, so I drove to D.C. I didn't fly because mm. it would have been the same cost as, like, me driving there. Um. And then uh, with the program, you could park. You can park your car for free at the hotel. So I also, so that's why I took my car, and I really didn't drive a lot, so I didn't put on like a lot of miles or anything. Um, so I took my car and I babysat while I was there, and I didn't do it. I did it like very scarcely. I did not do it a lot at all. Mm-hmm. And then I also got an additional scholarship called the Rachel Kahn Scholarship, mm-hmm. which is it was through MSU, and it's. Um, I want to say Rachel Kahn was actually a Madison student. 
However, it's not administered by James Madison. I think it's administered by the actual Study Awake program itself. Okay. And I fortunately was the first person to get that scholarship. They started the year I went. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And the people who um, set up the fund, it's a memorial. Um, I want to say Rachel had cancer after like she was in Madison and she had cancer and she passed away and her friends and family made that large. Mm. So um, some of the people like met with me in DC and that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but DC is a place that I, especially if you're a person who wants to go into like policy or love anything about politics, I would definitely say go to the study away program. Um, just because like, it's like they connect you with so many people, so many alums. It's like so great. And I would actually suggest if you want to move to DC after you graduate to do it your final, your senior year. Because mm-hmm. if you work at a place that you actually want to work for, they'll likely offer you a position. Oh. Or while you're there, you can apply for actual jobs and do interviews. Some people did that while mm-hmm. we were in the program. So some seniors. But I went my junior year and not my senior year. But okay. a lot of people went their senior Yeah. And so you felt like you got out of it everything that you wanted to get out of it while you were there? Tremendously, tremendously. Um, I learned a lot at the department. Um, I connected with a lot of people. I was able to meet a lot of, like, my idols. So, like, <laughs> I was able to personally meet Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, mm. I worked with the Secretary of Education. Like, I would work in his, like, in his actual, not, like, department office actual personal office Mm -hmm. Uh, my supervisor was his chief of staff so we worked we all worked close together and i think also um i really like connections and relationships more than actually learning things like don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong i love learning things (laughs) about experiences the connection with people Mm -hmm. and like just to have like a supervisor because i don't think i've ever had a supervisor who was a black woman now that I think about it, like, ever. I'm trying to think. I could be lying, but I don't remember ever having a supervisor that was a black woman. And if mm-hmm. she was a black woman, she probably wasn't a black woman from an urban city, you know? So, um, it was just amazing to see this black woman and to see how she would, like, work for the room and things like that, um, because she was amazing. Like, so amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, she really helped me a lot and taught me a lot about a lot of things and also gave me a lot of experiences. Like for instance, um, one of our partnerships, which is like ironic, was the White House. It seems mm-hmm. like how is the White House a partnership? Like <laughs> people that appoint us. Yeah. But it was a partnership. And like, for instance, she would take me to her White House meeting. Um, mm-hmm. During that time, the African-American Museum had debuted and she like took me with her to that. So, like, stuff like that, which was really, really awesome. Um, And then also just, like, her just connecting me with different people and within the department itself really cool. So, um, that was, oh, one of my favorite things, too, was one of my, one of my tasks that I had to work on was we had a conference. I forgot what it was explicitly called, but it was a conference between um, minorities and STEM. Um, and some people had STEAM and STEAM um, stood for arts. The arts, yeah. So, um, well, the A and STEAM stand for arts. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because I got to meet um, 
and learn about not only um, nonprofits that was for minorities in STEM or STEAM, but it was also the head people. So it was like the president, the CEO mm-hmm. came to this conference. And it was really cool because to this day, I still have those connections with those people at some places, like across the United States. Mm. So that was really, really, I think that was one of my favorite tasks that I had to do. Um, it was really hectic though, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, it was really, that's one of the things too about experiences is it like, depending on the time of things, it can be very hard. Mm. And, like being there during election time, especially with the past, you know, presidential election was so controversial. It was hard. Like it was very hard. Like, cause the thing was no one. I mean, Republicans and Democrats did not think that Trump was going to win. Yeah. But when he won, I mean, even before he won, so there's this thing when, like, presidential um, elections come about, departments start to slow down. Like, U.S. departments start to Mm -hmm. slow down. Every single one of them starts to slow down. And we were one of the only ones, um, the Department of Education were one of the only ones that was still working, like, like not slowing down. And also, you got to remember, too, a lot of people that were appointed, um, their term is about to end. So some of them legally could have left before the election, even like before the official election. Um, And some of them could have left like right after. Um, And some of a lot of people actually did. So with that, after the election day, it was a lot like it was. I don't want to exaggerate and call it the populist, but it was it was <laughs> so my work my work hours went and mind you I was not getting paid for this so I was yeah. a volunteer intern mm-hmm. my work hours went from nine to four right from some days nine to nine um and it was yeah it was very it was a lot that we had to do once um Trump got elected because we also had to help his team his team transition mm-hmm. which is hard because he had no education team right when he was running for president he um (laughs) wanted to eliminate the department of education so it was it was really difficult and very hard but um but no like i said i really enjoyed the department of ed i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. dc um i definitely recommend the study away program and it's not just in dc i think it's in hawaii um new york I think it's also in uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I want to say it's one in California, but I may be lying. Yeah, but now, yeah. As, so, as far as like study away options go, does that depend on what university you go to? Like, if you went to uh, like True. say U of M instead, would it be gotcha. a different set of options you can go to? You might I, not know. I'm just curious. No, yeah. I, to be honest, I don't know, but I okay. wouldn't doubt it because I've heard of other students. Um, uh, for instance, like, okay, so at the Department of Ed, like, the interns that were there, um, almost no one were from D.C. Like, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people were actually from Texas, because the uh, Texas, uh, the University of uh, UT Austin has a relationship with D.C., and they have, like, a D.C. branch of that school okay. in D.C. So I'm pretty sure there are other programs at other universities, like, nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably just have to like research because some some places may not call it study away it may be called something else oh. or um it may not be attached to their study abroad office mm-hmm. you have to see some extra research but i'm for certain that this is not only an msu yeah um like i said there was kids from texas there was kids from stanford um i'm trying to remember exact schools there was a kid from columbia 
Um, there were students from DC. There were some from like American University and stuff like that. But most of the kids actually were from different states. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to ask, um, what was it that got you interested in education policy in the first place to make you want to like enter that field? No, yeah. So when I first came to Madison, um, really quickly, I used to want to be a doctor when mm -hmm. I was in high school. And it was solely just because I was fascinated with the sense of saving someone's life. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be an ER doctor. And then I was like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> I was like, and I actually was really good at science and math until I got to Madison. Because as you may know, Danielle, most yeah. Madison are not good at that. <laughs> I, really, I know I'm not. <laughs> I was really good at science and math. Like I had AP biology my senior year. I had calculus, everything. But um. I think it was my junior, like the end of my junior year, beginning of my senior high school year, where I realized I cared more about policy. And it was solely because I still cared about saving people's lives, but I cared more about like their their quality of life beyond health, beyond physical health. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I care. And, and it was also, just being honest, it was a part of me being a Black woman from an urban area and just honestly looking around and seeing what was going on around me and wanting to do something about it. So when mm -hmm. I came to Madison, I did not know that I wanted to go into educational policy. I want to say to at least my sophomore or junior year. And um, I honestly don't remember the point that it stuck for me. Um, I think it was, there was a point where my health, when I said my health was bad and I had to medically mm -hmm. withdraw and my health being bad kind of like provoked me to have a slight um, episode of depression and with that, um, I'm, I'm a person. Huh? I said, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I actually haven't had an episode since then, so I'm pretty mm -hmm. good. I literally had to remember um, what love was. Um, and that was because mm -hmm. at that point in time, I lost love for myself. So I had to remember what love was. And doing that, I did it with remembering one of the first acts of love I remembered as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that was actually, um, at that time, I didn't, you know, my parents weren't as engaged in my life as they could have been, mm -hmm. which they're, they're awesome now, but it was just a bad time for us as a family. Mm -hmm. And my first act of love that I can vividly remember is my kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. And she um, was a white woman, but yeah. at that time I didn't, think like oh this woman is white like she was she looked different but I'm like okay she was a white woman <laughs> and she noticed that because at that time um I lived with my mom and we were very poor when I was a kid and she mm. noticed that when I ate I would eat like I haven't eaten mm. and from there she would send food home with me and for me not getting love at home and not you know I really wasn't social at, at that young age because yeah. of the stuff that was happening with me um, so not really having like friends for real and then also not getting that love at home. That teacher, that person who looked different from me made all the difference that this person who's not related to me mm -hmm. and who looks differently is, is caring about me eating. Yeah. So that was like my first sign of love. And I was like, that's what I need to do. I need to focus on education. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with that, and I, I thought about that and I, it's not a direct link to that. What happened was... I remembered um, what has always been my burning fuel because her doing that also made me care about school more. Mm, so like I participated yeah. more and all those things. So with that, I thought about how 
much education can mobilize someone and how it can affect their lives mm -hmm. um, tremendously. So um, I really was like, okay, well, let me look at education. And I was like, ha, it's not so good right now. <laughs> so I was like, I need to try to do something to make it. I, I try to always, I'm always evaluating ways of how we can have teachers with like little gestures or even with the curriculum change or a discipline change, like show especially urban kids, not only that the system loves them or their school loves them, but the, uh, but also teaching them how to love themselves. Yeah. Um, because that's something that's so important because I like to believe that no child, no person in general, but especially no child, anyone under the age of 18 wants to drop out of school. Mm. deliberately wants to jump out of drop out of school or deliberately wants to commit a crime or the, deliberately wants to continuously have high retention in bad behavior you know mm. so for that um I'm, I'm always thinking of different ways whether it's like an enrichment program or anything or i mean but not just thinking of ways but also efficient ways because you can always come up with a million different solutions that doesn't yeah. mean it's going to work so that's honestly um a personal challenge for me as um personally and professionally that i'm always uh, mm -hmm. um, but we get honestly but especially in, in so that's a, a long story short <laughs> how i got interested in being in or i mean in um in educational policy yeah no i, I appreciate that that <laughs> that got deeper than i anticipated but it was very insightful it was very very insightful so thank I, um, you, thank you. I appreciate you for sharing that. Um, no problem. No problem. Wow. Okay. So then, <laughs> okay. So that was DC and that was 2016. Yeah. And then what mm -hmm. led you to do the program in Sri Lanka sure. this summer? Okay. So um, I actually went and went to Sri Lanka. The Sri Lanka program is also newer too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it first started or first launched um, probably two years ago. Mm -hmm. And when it launched then, I wanted to go. And I wanted to go because I think at that time, it was like half and half with India and Sri Lanka. And I don't know why. As a kid, I just always wanted to go to India. But like, I'm like, I'm going to go. <laughs> Literally, that was initially the reason why. And mm -hmm. then um, once I heard it was like primarily Sri Lanka, I still wanted to go. But it was for different reasons. It was, excuse me, it was to um, in person see what a developing country looks like and how it functions. Um, because being in the US, um, you know, there's so many rhetoric, so many images that is spewed out about what these countries look like and how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And there's some truth to it, you know, every part of something. Yeah. But I wanted to also find that country's truth in it and not just look at it from the US standpoint. And then also, just being honest, I wanted to be in a place where it was uh, predominantly people of color. <laughs> um, that was a huge factor in it as well. Yeah. And then it was also a very low, a low costing um, program because of it being a location. Mm -hmm. yeah. So those two things were the majority of things. Um, so much that actually initially the classes was, they didn't know on purpose fit for my um, degree. I like made a case for them because okay. the classes um, like I'm at, I'm social relations and policy and the classes were specific for majors in comparative cultures and politics. Oh, okay. but 
because we focused a lot on political economy with their agriculture sector, mm-hmm. I made a case for it being um, I made a case for it being political economy, which was my mic. Okay. So I was able to um, like make it count for my classes. But no, those were the reasons, and I really was um, I really was excited. My family was really nervous, by the way. Mm. Um, they were like you should not go to this place. Like, you don't know what it's going to be like. No one in my family is like me. So they're not mm. thinking about the fact that, yeah, this country may have, like, tremendous differences as far as health and sanitation, but it's not because this family, I mean, this country wanted it to. It's because of colonization. Right. Um, they're not thinking like that. So for me, like, going into a place, you know, that's affected by adversity or poverty in that sector, it doesn't bother me. I feel like coming from a place that's so privileged as the United States, who the hell are you to talk down <laughs> on this place and, you know, talk about their living conditions, you know, when even though I'm black, I still read the benefits of being an American, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I, I just was, I didn't care. I didn't care about what they would say. I did have some health concerns. Um, and that was because at that time, this summer, um, my health symptoms were actually getting a little bit worse Mm -hmm. so like my pain um one of my central things well two of my central things uh, um so last december i had to get two stomach surgeries Mm -hmm. and then um i recovered very well like i didn't have to i don't remember missing school from it or anything so it was cool um then um i also have tremendous tremendous inflammatory arthritis like it's so painful so um with that i was really scared about my symptoms my symptoms heightening so um i was i was scared but at the same time i was like dream if i can do this I can do yeah <laughs> i can do anything it's okay it's okay going into it i knew it was going to be hard because as you talked about um korea mm-hmm. um any i mean honestly any country in asia yeah. is it's pretty high physical maintenance mm-hmm. with walking so i knew that this would be a thing but i was like Trina, you know you knew what it was like in london you were in dc and i did very well in dc by the way too because dc is a very walking city yeah um and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I think I can do this. I really want to do this. I really want to experience culture differently. Also, politically, Sri Lanka was different. Um, aside from being people of color, mm-hmm. their government is a religious government. Like, they have an official religion oh, in their okay. um, religion, which is um, which is Buddhist. Um, and with that, it like like their religion is everywhere. And granted, the U.S. has Christianity everywhere. But it's like a different level mm-hmm. of, you know, it being a thing. That was really cool. So we, um, so I went and it was very funny because, um, I, I like to tell people I expected the heat, but I, I'm actually moving and, and I'll talk about this a little later, but I'm actually moving to Georgia next year. Oh, wow. And I go there. Yeah. And I go there every summer my family's there so like I'm like, oh, I don't care about heat. Like, that's going to be okay. <laughs> and I actually didn't. The heat didn't bother me. Right. Um, the bugs didn't bother me. I had bug spray and I had sunscreen uh-huh. on them all the time. <laughs> the one thing that I want to say, I'll complain about the most, mm-hmm. which is a petty thing, is the temperature of the drinks. And I say that because. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
I have a thing, and this is in the U.S. as well, right? Uh-huh. I hate room temperature drinks. Oh. Like, that is a pet peeve of mine, no matter what it is. Unless it's, like, something that's supposed to be hot, like tea. I yeah. hate, you don't understand. When people bring me water in a restaurant and they don't put ice in it, I get so mad. And I try not to get mad at the waiter. I just ask them for ice. But it makes me so mad. And I know, and I know this, that it's healthier to drink things at room temperature or warmer because I have digestive problems and my Uh doctor told me that. Mm -hmm. However, my digestive problems are already bad. So it's like, I'm going to drink what I want to drink. So in Sri Lanka, (laughs) and I know this is funny because I know you did not expect me to say this. No, I did not. In Sri Lanka. (laughs) While a lot of other people, a lot of other my, um, by the way, I was the only black person mm. in this cohort. While everyone else complained about the heat, they complained about the bugs, they complained about um, the water not being hot, which it wasn't. A lot of the water was room temperature or cold. Mm-hmm. And that was like shower water that I'm talking about. Oh, um, okay. And they complained about like the different like working conditions. Um, but honestly, like growing up the way that I did, like, I feel like when you come from a certain background and you are able to like experience it, it doesn't bother you as much. Um, and I, of course, don't live like that now, but it's just the fact of like, I'm like, okay, like this is normal. A lot of people, in the, like millions of people in the world live like this. Yeah. So um, for me, it was the room temperature. And it really, because I actually didn't even eat a lot while I was there. I actually lost 13 pounds on accident. Oh. I gained it. <laughs> But I lost it because um, it wasn't because the food was nasty. Because it wasn't nasty. It was that every single thing was cooked in curry. And I personally don't like the flavor of curry. Oh, okay. um, I don't like it there, nor do I like it in the U.S. But I knew this going in. I wasn't mm-hmm. like that or anything. Um, and it was my own, you know, doing. I would snack here and there. I would buy snacks or whatever. But, yeah. like, the food that they would cook for us, like, almost every single thing was in curry. Including the vegetables. Because I was like, at least I can use the vegetables. But no, mm-hmm. they were cooked in curry. <laughs> so, um, so I lost like 13 pounds. I really didn't eat a lot. But I was mad because, you know, with it being hot, you do have to drink so much water. Uh-huh. And, like, I really hate room temperature water. Like, I, like, if I'm in the U.S. and I have room temperature water and don't drink anything, I will not so over there, I couldn't do that. You'd rather be thirsty than drink room temperature. I'd rather be thirsty because the thing is, room temperature water for me does not quench my thirst. It actually makes my stomach it makes me feel full, and I don't uh-huh. like. So I'm like, absolutely not. So um, over there, though, I had no choice. I had to do it because I would, you know, hydrate it. Mm-hmm. So I did it. That was honestly my my least favorable thing. Okay. Um, my most favorable thing was the people. Um, I didn't think, don't get me wrong, like I didn't think the people would be any type of way of anything, but the people were so nice, the nicest people I ever met in the world. Mm-hmm. And they were just so inviting and so sweet, both men and women. And um, and it also was a thing for me too, because the average size woman in Sri Lanka is very small mm-hmm. and in size. And I am not very small. And I say that because the clothes that I would wear, um, I wouldn't show, like, much skin or anything, but still, like, 
it would still be like the shapeness of my body. Mm, yeah. And in Sri Lanka, they um wear saris and like you can't really see like the shape. You can see an outline but not the shape. Mm-hmm. So like, like I really was a little nervous with them um feeling like I was being disrespectful or not being modest. But no one, no one I've never got that vibe from anybody. Okay. Like from the men or the women. So it was really great. And a lot of people actually thought that I was very beautiful and that was like very sweet Um, I had my hair braided like this actually Mm -hmm. and a lot of people there because people of color don't wear weave there Mm. so they thought this was my real hair oh (laughs) and and some people thought I was from Africa too which was interesting Mm. which made me think like how does this media portray black people in the sense of like do, are they just in Africa or in their other countries as mm-hmm. well? Right. Because um, the only, but the only black people I did see over there were Africans. So I get like why they thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm broadly saying Africans because they were from different countries. Because I did speak to a few of them. But um, but yeah, so for me, um, I told them I had to explain. I said, um, I'm a descendant from Africa, but I'm from the U.S. <laughs> but they loved my hair. They thought it was built. They asked me how long have I been growing it. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I did <laughs> milk it a little bit, and I was like, oh, my whole life, you know. But <laughs> I didn't feel like I was lying because I didn't say I didn't point to the hair. I've been growing this hair my whole life. I've been growing my real hair my whole life. So. Um, <laughs> A lot of people were asked to touch it, and it's funny because in the U.S., I hate when white people touch my hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I can tell with them, it was, like, genuine fascination. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't mind it, especially because they, in in all actuality, don't see hair like mine. Mm-hmm. It's like, white people in the U.S., you do see hair like mine. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I let them touch it and stuff, and they were like, wow, this is so, you know, they was like, it feels so different than ours because, you know, People of color over there, their hair is fine. It's it's thick though, mm. very thick, but mm-hmm. it is like a fine silky texture. Their hair is so soft and silky. So it was really it was really funny. Like there were school <laughs> girls, right? There's this they have a um a botanical garden that is so beautiful, mm. and there were a lot of kids there on like a school field trip. It was a school of girls, and I have a picture of them. They're so beautiful. And they were asking, they were like, can we take a picture with you? Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah, girl, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we took pictures together. They took pictures of me, and they were like, tell me you're so beautiful. And it was, for me, it meant a lot. Um, one, because in my opinion, I was actually looking very bold just getting by the day. Because oh. <laughs> it was hot. And then, mm-hmm. two, it meant a lot for me because... Um, to have these uh, little girls of color, um, I don't want to say they were idolizing me, but admiring another person of color who's being their authentic. Mm. So that was another big thing for me because that doesn't happen. I mean, it happens in the U.S., but typically young girls look up to, like, celebrities. Like, right. They literally, like, rushed me as if someone on the street would have rushed, like, Beyonce or something. <laughs> I'm so serious. So listen, I'm so serious. The people in my cohort, no, I believe you. I'm like, why are they running up to Jerina? I'm so serious. I am not lying. Oh, that's so precious. It was so oh precious. Not only just from them, like from different guys, from uh-huh. different women. 
Like they all, all, even some of the professors there thought that it was my real hair and they really loved my hair. <laughs> and then I had to tell them, I was like, dang, I don't want to play with them. So I'm going to tell them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really, I really loved it. And again, like the only difficulty there was, um, well, so while I was there, right, mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I went to sleep earlier and I noticed that, but that's also because we had to wake up like, super early because a lot of, 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 of us being there was um, very busy. We traveled a lot because a lot of places was far. Like there was a lot of times where we would be in the bus because we would travel by bus and we would be in a bus for like two hours before we got to like the next place. So this study abroad was very different from London. London in all honesty felt like a vacation with some academics. (laughs) This study abroad was not that at all. It was Mm. very demanding. Um, It was very demanding and very challenging um, also because there was a lot expected of us academically to produce work. It was very limited um, Wi-Fi or internet connection mm. and also electricity. They had electricity, but it would be like one power outage per room. And when we lived in the rooms, it would be like three people per room. So mm. that would be like hard to deal with with laptops and phones and whatever else you need. To look so that was a little difficult. But um, I actually came out of that course... Um, I forgot what I got in the London course and the study away course. I got a three, five and over like all overall. And then for the Sri Lanka one, I got a three, seven, five overall. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah. And I got three, that's a three, seven. Cause I know he's like, how you get three, seven, five. It was two classes and one mm-hmm. class I got from the other one. I got three. But, okay. Gotcha. But, um, it wasn't hard. I, I mean, the work honestly wasn't hard. Um, at all it was just you literally just had to do it but for me um being a disabled person there I would say the hardest part was the physicalness of it um also because like we would have to walk up a lot of hills a lot mm-hmm. um, like one of the main places we stayed at to get up to the hotel you had to walk up the hill a very short hill mm-hmm. let yeah. me not make it sound long but it was still like a steep hill. Mm -hmm. And then also we did two cultural adventures of hiking. And one of the hikes was an old um, kingdom, but it had stairs, but it was 1,202 stairs. Ooh. Um, And it was different (laughs) levels and different type of material throughout different stairs. And it was especially hot on that day. And, um, that's when the time when I told you I would take breaks during mm-hmm. that time. Right. And then, um, and you could have walked back down. You could have walked back down at any time. But mm-hmm. I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm up so high that I might as well just keep going. And then you walk back down those 1,200 stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And you have a guy that's there with you because it's actually an old empire, like an actual kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, he was telling about the king at that time and stuff like that. And this guy, I was like, you're really fit because you do this for a living every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he um, and he was very helpful because walking up was hard. But walking down, it's like something about like especially, I mean, even if you're not disabled, but especially if you're disabled, walking down after you walked up so much, like your legs feel flimsy. Mm-hmm. And it literally felt like I was going to fall like almost every step. So I he was so nice enough to literally let me lean my entire body on him. As I was walking down. That's so nice. um, And then the second one, which was the hardest one. And at any time, I could have asked the professor for me not to be included. But it was a part of the class. 
And um, I would have been the only person not doing it. So mm-hmm. it would have made me feel like some type of way of feeling bad. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like I would have had regrets. So I just I stepped it up and did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in hindsight, I don't regret doing it. But I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> so the second one hike was way worse. And it's funny because I thought it was going to be easier. Mm-hmm. The second one wasn't stairs. It was through different levels of terrain. Okay. And it was like five miles long I want to say mm-hmm. and it was so difficult because while we were walking it would rain it would rain off and on which would make like the dirt slippery there was times I fell in actual oh. dirt water like whole body drenched in dirt water mm-hmm. um, and fell in mud um, I had to literally throw away everything I had on that day <laughs> including okay. my gym shoes I was so sad oh goodness <laughs> But um, it was no animals on that planet. Like, I mean, other than, like, monkeys or whatever, that's just out in the wild. But it was no, like, wild animals. Mm-hmm. We did do one of those, but it wasn't, like, a walking thing. Or okay. But um, the walking thing, it was it was funny, too, because the dean was on that one. And it's funny because he didn't know it was going to. He's actually the person who asked for us to do that. And he mm-hmm. didn't know how rigorous it was going to be. Yeah. And that was very funny to watch him do that. Very hilarious. Because <laughs> he actually the stair one because mm-hmm. he was like yeah this may be too much for me and I think it's funny because I actually told him I said the stair one was easier than this. <laughs> easier than this so that one was really hard because like you have to literally sometimes climb walking on rocks or walking on like stuff that was like not stable, mm-hmm. like wet mud and um it was just very tight it was very long and it was very steep a lot of times. Like I said, it was different types of terrain. So it was it was very different yeah. in different areas. And like it was it was a lot. It was a it literally took ooh, it took so many hours. I want to say it took like six hours, maybe. Wow. It was a lot. It was a whole lot. Wow. So it was it was it was very and when I got through it, I was oh my gosh. When I tell you I, I have never been excited to sit down for <laughs> a day in my life. I was <laughs> Was, you made it <laughs> and you I was down so happy i was so happy oh my gosh but again when, this was a situation specifically with this with that one and it was the place that that one was was called horton's plains mm-hmm. that one um made me a little emotional and cry eye emotional or tear-eyed emotional it made me emotional because some of my classmates again you know i'm not a person that likes to have people wait on me mm-hmm. Nor do I want to ask for extra, extra help. Mm-hmm. But some of my classmates could literally tell that, like, um, it was really difficult for me. And they would literally risk possibly hurting themselves to help mm-hmm. me get through a certain area. And that, like, really touched my heart. Because it was also people, like, there were probably, like, two or three people that I was genuinely close to on the trip because I was already friends with them. Yeah. And there was, like, the people who helped me was not those people. And not to, like, shade them, because they were actually in another group. Like, we split up in groups walking. Mm-hmm. But it was just something about this person who I'm not that close to that's, like, really helping me, literally pushing my heavy body up. Oh, wow. Themselves to get over something. It really, like, really warmed my heart a yeah. lot. And I was very grateful, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um... Wow. Okay. So, and you were there, you said for three weeks and it could have been yeah. another week in India, but because of like the virus the outbreak, going on at yeah. the time. 
I forgot the name of the of the virus or disease. I forgot if it was a virus or disease. I just remember that it wasn't a popular name. Like it wasn't Zika or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was um something that was uh, carried by bats. Mm-hmm. And the thing was is like bats over there it has a high population. Like they linger on a lot of crops and a lot of trees. So like the spreading like I don't want to say a lot, but it wasn't like un- like it wasn't like that is the rising rate was mm-hmm. actually like you know pretty stable so i was like nah yeah, yeah. i'll catch you another time you. The best. yeah i mean yeah it's not going anywhere so yeah <laughs> i'm wondering though um because you were fortunate enough to have people who like understood your um you know being differently abled and were you had people who to help you um mm-hmm. when you were in london and when you were in um sri lanka Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm wondering uh, on your perspective as far as like traveling goes like do you feel like you need to have someone else around when you try to go places or right. do you think you can handle solo travel if that's something that you even want to do right so here's the thing um, if you're a student definitely have a visa no matter what if mm-hmm. you have a disability definitely definitely get a visa um, one of the tricky parts about a visa though and I will say this is that, and I'm pretty sure every school has this, it's probably called something else, because mm-hmm. it is, this system is backed by the ADA, so it's a federal thing, so every school has it, it's probably just called something else. Mm-hmm. But, I would say a minimum, get a visa for everyone, Um, just because, like I said, if any anything can go wrong, you can have a flare-up, like, something can happen, and let's say you have an assignment due, right, and you don't have a visa. Yeah. If you don't have a professor who is, you know, willing to accommodate you or understand it, then you just missed that assignment. Because mm-hmm. um, that has happened to me before. That has happened to me before. So, um, and it's nothing that anybody else can do about it. Like, if that professor wants to give you whatever grade, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say, even if you don't think you need it. Because, like, for instance, when I was in Sri Lanka, I didn't even use it. I didn't even have to use it. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't think you need it, still use it. Because um, a visa can cover anything. It can cover... My visa, my lupus visa, um, covered me missing class, mm. um, me turning in late assignments and negotiating a new deadline, me being late for class, and me having preferred seating. Mm. If you think about all of that stuff, that's actually a lot. Like that's yeah. actually a lot of things, you know, to help with. Oh, it also gave me additional additional test taking. This is okay. every so um so I would say a minimum get a visa. Now, as far as me, um, it's really hard for me to, to say that I don't need somebody because I've never been in a situation where I didn't have somebody. So I don't know what it's like to not have somebody in me maneuvered. Well, I guess D.C. I guess D.C. kind of was like I didn't have anyone because going into the program, I wasn't close and I get it's like it, it is domestic but still DC for me being disabled was a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, going into the program I didn't have any friends in the program like I knew of people but we didn't become friends until honestly the tail end which was yeah. ironic mm-hmm. um, and, and maneuvering and I actually was one of the people who did it in the DC program you have a roommate mm-hmm. um, it was an odd number of girls so I actually got the and we lived in a hotel actually that was really cool I um, lived, it was an odd number of girls, so they offered me the position because they asked everyone if they had, like, any types of, like, conditions with living, and I, 
um, a little a little thing. I'm afraid of the dark. So I um I told people that I said like I I I at minimum have to sleep with the TV on. Like even if it's no sound, mm-hmm. like it has to be TV or some type of light. And nobody else gave any types of like uh like recommendations or arrangements. So they offered me the room by myself since I had that, and mm-hmm. plus from in the scholarship that they had, they also yeah. considered. So with that, um, it was kind of like I was in the program by myself, maneuvering myself, because like, my friends there, I really didn't see them. And I actually had to go to the hospital. I forgot about that. Mm. I actually had to go to the hospital while I was in D.C. because um, I had got sick. And um, I was hospitalized overnight at um, Georgetown. Okay. So um, it was it was difficult, but I was able to do it. So I can, I can honestly say um, I do think that I can travel alone. I'm a person who does not like to travel alone, though. I like to build off relationships mm-hmm. and ideas with other people, but I definitely think it's doable. I just think you have to be proactive. Yeah, like disabled people, especially, um, do not have the privilege to not be proactive mm. um, when it comes to traveling. Um, yeah, we just it just you just can't. I mean, you can if that's like your thing, but from my from my perspective, you can't. I mean, because even like with flying, right? With my specific disability, flying mm-hmm. even for an hour makes my body swell up, mm-hmm. like almost everywhere. So the yeah. flight from here to Sri Lanka was like fourteen hours at least. My ankles were so swollen that like my feet walking, like I was a little penguin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think it's, I think it's very important to um um. And, and I wasn't proactive about that. Mm-hmm. And I should have told my doctor because my doctor had now gave me special compressions um, that would have minimized that swelling or mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, like, you can't, I, I mean, you're a person, you still are strong, you still can be determined. But, like, I feel like it's, like, for disabled people especially, it's so much better when you be active. Yeah. Um, whether it's for money, whether it's if you're a disabled person whether you're a person of color, whether you're a certain religion. And I say that because in Sri Lanka, at temples, a lot of Muslim people are not allowed. And it's not because Mm -hmm. they're Muslim. It's because you can't wear anything on your head, even if it is for your own religion. Mm. So that's what I mean by being proactive, like in all of your identity. Um, So that type of stuff, like I said, is really important. Um, Just like any other trip, like if you... If you go on a vacation, you look up stuff, you look up stuff to do, you look up transportation. Mm -hmm. Study abroad should be the same way because your program or your professors only do so much for you. Mm -hmm. Um, They really give you a lot of responsibility on things. And then, um, especially like I said, for money. So for me, um, I come from a low income background. So I'm always like making sure I have enough money for things, whether it's me working um, or it's me applying for scholarships like i'm always applying for scholarships yeah um i apply so jmc which is my college james madison college mm-hmm. um and i'm pretty sure like i said every single college typically has study abroad scholarships so i applied to jmc scholarships and msu has educational abroad scholarships mm-hmm. and then if you stay in a country for so long you can apply to national ones like the gilman um, and then also on top of that there's just um other external scholarships that you just have to look up um, and then if you're doing something where it's like a sheer, a shared college thing, 
Um, like, so it's like two colleges, like let's say for instance, if you're doing like something and I'm totally making this up, they probably do not have this <laughs> at MSU, but I'm just using this example because someone did this to other programs. I just can't think of right now. Like, let's say for instance, if it's public health and it, if it's with like a political college and a health college, yeah. and this is study abroad, you can possibly get money from that sister or that other, um, college as well. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think of other ones. Also, this is a thing you can do too. and But you have to talk to the right people. And I know that's hard because it's one of those things in customer service where you don't know who the right person is until you get them. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I was able to come across a good financial aid person. who So financial aid officers have the power to ask for more money on your behalf. Mm. If... <clears throat> If you run out of money, right? So, for instance, that happened for me with Sri Lanka because this was my fifth year. And a lot of government, federal government funding either runs out your fifth year or before your fifth year. Mm-hmm. So, with that, um, I needed two, I think it was 2000 extra dollars. Um, and I literally exhausted all of my scholarship money um to pay for things Mm -hmm. and I fortunately like I said I came across this person I did not know this woman no one recommended me to her she was just the person that called me and apparently financial aid officers and this may not be a thing at every single university but they at MSU they have the ability to ask for more money on their behalf now here's the thing though you have to legitimately be a low-income student Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like I have a friend right now whose parent made like 100k plus a year and they need more money, that's that's not a low income student. So they're probably not that. Because when they when they ask for more money on your behalf, they're gonna ask for your parents. Um aside from FASTA, they're gonna ask for something. I forgot what I had to give them, but I have to give them something specific to show my cat income. Mm-hmm. And I also had to write an explicit note um of like my financial adversities and things I have to pay for. So you, um, they do it, but you do have to be a truly low-income student. And yeah. just to be general um, for people listening, I would say um, not focusing on your parents. I mean, yes, focusing on your parents' income, but if you're um, EFC, which is Family Estimated Contribution, if that is 2500 or lower, then by the government, you're a low-income student. Mm. Um, and it may be a little higher, but I know for a lot of programs that's by government alone mm-hmm. so if your EFC says that then you'll probably be eligible gotcha mm-hmm. okay yeah it's all very very useful advice Jaina thank you for that yeah. also one more last thing I'm sorry yeah. no, don't ahead. be afraid to um don't be afraid to ask your college itself for extra money mm. and I say that because a lot of colleges especially big ones have a lot of money um, in itself, but you literally just have to ask. Like some um, colleges have emergency funds. Some of them just have money um, in general. And it's, and this is why connections are so important. Um, I had a best friend, he's in the College of Business and he went to China for a study abroad. Mm-hmm. And he never, he's a person not proactive at all um, or proactive in the sense of him making connections with people, right? Oh, okay. So like, yeah. He applied to a scholarship. You had to have a 3.0, and the scholarship was almost automatic as long as you had a 3.0. You still had to apply, but it was basically automatic, right? Mm-hmm. He had a 2.9. Mm. 
a 2.9 um and for some people and i honestly believe that if he had a relationship with the person that was administering a scholarship they probably would have waived it for him because i've applied to a lot of things whether scholarships or opportunities where i didn't have the gpa but because i had that connection and they believed in me they allowed me to still apply for it mm -hmm. and i got it wow so he did not even know the name of the person which i I think was either a dean or an assistant or associate dean um and they did not give him that scholarship so that's why mm -hmm. also relationships are important in the beginning and not yeah. just when you need some so because i mean in all honesty everyone's going to need something so you might as well just start it out in the beginning mm -hmm. um so yeah so that's another thing do not be afraid to ask your college um like, for instance, if you're at MSU, a big college that has money is College of Social Science. Social Science have so much money. Mm. Um, another big college is probably Natural Sciences. So you just have to, um, you just have to, like, ask or whatever and know to ask the right person to have connections. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so you said you're moving to Georgia yes. in the summer. So wow. I'm actually moving in January. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why did I think yeah. summer? Okay, my bad. You're moving <laughs> to Georgia. Um, so that's probably going to be like your focus for the next few months. Yeah. Um, do you have any travel plans in the future or just places that you would like to go eventually? Yeah, so um, no. <laughs> so I <laughs> answer is no the the long-term answer is yes uh -huh. um but here oh i forgot i totally forgot this summer i went to paris oh so you I did. Went to, um yeah so this summer actually i traveled to three different places and oh, um well, this year i got a boyfriend <laughs> oh yay <laughs> has been, we've been traveling a lot together which has been so uh -huh. fun but um nice. so we went to toronto literally right after i graduated um, mm -hmm. like probably like a few days, um, to spend time with each other before I went to Sri Lanka because Sri Lanka was like two weekends after I graduated. And mm -hmm. then when we got, when I got back in July, we went to Chicago. Um, and it just so happened to be the taste test that weekend. My boyfriend mm -hmm. is not the stuff whatsoever. It was a huge coincidence. Um, but it was <laughs> so amazing. And then we went to, um, Paris for my birthday. And he oh. chose that as a surprise trip because I actually know French and have studied it since for freaking ever. But yeah. um, I also just wanted to go to Paris. Um, it was one of my like bucket list things. So he like surprised me and like he did like all the planning stuff. So that was really cool too. Oh, um, so yeah, so like as far as traveling in the future. Um, so when I go to Georgia, I'm going there to go to school. So I um I actually have not been accepted yet. It's really interesting because um nor have I submitted my application. Um my application I think is doing like January, but I got nominated from the college that so I'm going to get a master's in public administration. Nice. So mm -hmm. the college that I'm applying to, which is very similar to James Madison is is highly ranked for MPAs, by the way, um, top 10 in the nation. Nice. And not only that, um, I got nominated by one of the recruiters in the program from talking to them. Again, connections are important. Mm -hmm. I went there to physically meet them last summer. 
And the guy did not believe me when I told him I was coming to visit because a lot of people from the north, um, and when I mean north, I mean anything above like Virginia, <laughs> anything that's above any like yeah. seriously. Any place from the north does not apply to UGA, especially not for grad school. Mm. Like most mm. of their students are from Georgia, Alabama, or Florida. Okay. Um, especially for grad school. So like when I told him I was from Michigan, he was like, "You're not coming here." I'm like, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> and I, I scheduled an appointment. He still didn't believe me. And when I came, he still didn't believe me. <laughs> um, he really was so admired by like my passion. We talked uh-huh. a lot and we stayed connected. That was last summer, right? Mm-hmm. So this year, I have not, I don't think I've talked to him at all this year. If I did, it was probably twice, literally to just say, check in, how you doing? Mm -hmm. So um, UGA has a program called Future Scholars um, Visitation, where you literally just visit there for a weekend. They pay for it. You visit there for a weekend. You meet with different people. You go into that program. They waive your application fee. Mm -hmm. Um, They expose you to scholarships that other people aren't exposed to. And it heightens your um um your admittance uh, chances, and it heightens your full ride chances. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go to this program, you have to apply to be nominated. However, Aaron, which is the representative, um, the recruitment person from the program, um, emailed me and was like, "Yeah, we're going to nominate you." And I was like, "What?" Oh, yay. <laughs> So, oh, I was really, really overwhelmingly honored, um, tremendously, because like yeah. I said, they could do that to anyone, and I'm just a person from Michigan, and from Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and not only did they nominate me, I actually got it, so that was really, really cool, mm-hmm. so I'm going to that this fall, but um, I wouldn't start school to next fall, so in between then, I'm, uh, I do, I do plan on working, um, at the very least, I will sub-teach in the Lennon Public School System. Okay. At the very most, I would get a full-time, uh, until I go to school, I would get a full-time position at, like, a nonprofit or something or an advocacy um, organization in Atlanta. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, and then, like, fortunately, my boyfriend is an engineer who makes good money. <laughs> so, <laughs> while, while I'm in school... <laughs> Well, I'm in school, I don't need to work. And I say that because, you know, that's a huge burden off of my plate for mm-hmm. um, trying to focus on school, right. on working and paying for things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the master's, I personally think master's, and I haven't did it yet, so I could be terribly wrong, but I personally um, feel like a master's is 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 more... Like you're more ready to do it than a bachelor's because mm-hmm. you actually are choosing to do this, and with a bachelor's, you're kind of like told, like, "Go do this." Maybe <laughs> it. Like yeah. with the master's, you choose, and also that, like, you're choosing a more specific program, mm-hmm. um, and it's like more intimate and it's less people. Yeah. So, like for me, I feel like it's going to be easier in that sense, but it's going to be harder as far as time commitment. Mm-hmm. So in, in college, um, like my last senior year, I worked four jobs while I was in school full time. Oh my goodness. And they were part time, but still yeah. it was four jobs. Yeah, four is a lot. Yeah, and, and that was so I could afford stuff because like mm-hmm. I don't have parental or any type of family support. Right. Which is like fine, but I wasn't going to like dwell in me, you know, not having financial security. So I made it happen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was in hindsight, I was thinking like 
I feel like my grades could have been a lot better. I feel like I could have been more passionate in my studies. I feel like I could have learned more if I didn't have the stress. Because it's a difference. I have friends who come from money mm-hmm. and went to school and chose to work. But it's a difference mentally and on stress levels when you have to work for money versus working for fun. Yeah. And like, if I do choose to work for fun to aid, because um, I do think I have to get an internship in my program. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be okay because that's aiding towards my education. But, like, working for money, even though I always make sure my job was related to what I did, I always um, had something to deal with education. Yeah. I still was working for, I still was dependent on this to pay my bills versus, like, now, like, while I'm in school, my boyfriend is, like, being such an awesome supporter and saying, mm-hmm. like, just focus on school. And then when I graduate, he's actually going to go back to school for his master's, but he's also oh. going to be working because his job's covered. Yeah. Yeah. Really do hope everything works uh, according to, um, as you're hoping it will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think that's so great. And um, I really appreciate you being so insightful today. Like, I feel like you just had so many, like, dropped so many gems. Like, I couldn't <laughs> even, like... <laughs> So, um, and also talking about the DC, cause I hadn't, I really never really took time to learn about study away and what that entails. Yeah. So, um, thank you for that. Um, I think, I think I'm good. I think that's it for me, except for, um, how can people, uh, find you or get in touch with you online if you'd like them to do so? Yeah, no problem. I love, I so, so, so love helping people. Um, I would say, even though, like, my age, I know a lot of people um, in the 18 to 26 range yes. do not be on Facebook, but that's the most, <laughs> that's the most <laughs> social media that I'm on. Okay. Um, I don't really participate in other things, for real, for real. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, it's my name, Jarena Walker, G-R-E-N-A. Walker, just like Serena, but spell it with a G. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can honestly like email me. I respond to emails very fast. I'm also one of those people who do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my email is just um Jarena, my name again, T as in Tom, T Walker at gmail.com. Um, you can literally message me anytime if you need help with anything. I'm like always available. Um, yeah, and, like, even if it's not study abroad and you just need help with different things, one of the things I didn't mention, because it didn't necessarily relate to travel, Mm -hmm. um, was I was awarded, um, a fellowship, um, with a national organization, which is, like, I don't want to put it all the way up there at, like, a Truman, because it's not, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty, like, high, um, as far as, like, opportunity and benefit, Mm, PIA, and if you are a junior, whether you're a junior in credit or a junior by, like, the year before you graduate, you should apply to it. And it's okay. PPIA.org for people who are interested in public policy and international affairs. So PPIA is a program um, for people who want to go into basically politics, law, advocacy of any type of sort. Mm-hmm. Um, there's five universities. Um, there's Princeton, um, Berkeley. University of Michigan, University of Minnesota, and um, Carnegie Mellon. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you apply. There's one application, and you rank which school you want to go to from the um, um, most to the least. Mm -hmm. And you're going there for a summer program, in which when you're there, you'll be called a fellow. So it's a fellowship. And when you go there, everything is free. 
So like if you're out of state and you are flying to a state that's not obviously your home state, mm-hmm. they pay for your flight. Mm-hmm. Um, they also pay for like you staying there. You will stay on campus. They pay for your food. They give you a stipend. I know U of M gives you a thousand dollars stipend. Um, other schools give you like uh, some schools may give you up to fifteen hundred. Yeah. Um, you stay there for like I think six to seven weeks over the summer. Um, they prep you for GRE, which is really good, and they give you free GRE material. Um, they every single thing that you'll need will be completely free. Nice. Um, they may even take you to certain trips. So, for instance, like I know U of M takes you to Chicago mm-hmm. for a trip there. And it's like a professional trip, but you also have some free time. Like I know U of M takes you to Chicago to visit the Federal Reserve Branch there. Mm, so, okay. um, so yeah, like I said, and it'll be cool. Like I mean, Carnegie Mellon in Philadelphia, um, U of M in Ann Arbor, um, Berkeley in California, um, Princeton in Princeton. <laughs> so, all of those different schools you get to choose from. Um, and it's specifically, I mean, I forgot to mention it. Well, it's ex- exclusively for minorities. Okay. Um, however, they do invite white people. <laughs> it's exclusively for minorities, though. Um, okay. Most of the people there will be minorities. Mm-hmm. And the goal of the program is to um, to recognize people who um, are talented and, and gifted as far as intellect, but also may need a little bit more help before going to grad school mm-hmm. and to help you give you that extra push. experience and knowledge and opportunity so it it really helps me and then also it has a um, consortium of like 50 different schools including Mm -hmm. every single ivy league school and if you have on your application that you're a ppia grad or they call it grad like we graduated from the program Mm -hmm. your chances of getting in is even higher wow then your application for that grad school is your application fee for that grad school is paid Mm -hmm automatically no matter what get a, a base scholarship on top of possibly getting a full ride just from being a ppia nice wow yeah so go to that google it ppia mm-hmm. you'll love it gotcha. <laughs> so people can reach you on facebook or email you about that or anything else that you've mentioned yeah. uh, i forgot to yeah. say also thank you for um being so open about your um your disability and how you've yeah, been able to you know still um do the things that you want to do and things that you need to do, even, you know, mm-hmm. um, even, you know, dealing with what you have to deal with on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that and being so open. No and um, I hope you uh, feel better at some point. I know it's been a rough couple of days, but <laughs> I hope you feel I'm, better. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I just, Really, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. No problem, um, no problem. But I'll leave you be. I know you said you had some other things you were trying to go to today or uh, this evening. So um, hope that all goes well. And yeah, best wishes to you and um, you know being Georgia bound and everything. Uh, I hope all of that works out exactly as you want it to. Okay, thank you so much, Daniel, and thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. All right. Well, I'll talk to you some other time. Okay, Drina? Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>
For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you like what you've been hearing so far, then please continue to listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for next week, I have another college friend of mine on as a guest, a very, very sweet person, and she studied abroad in Turkey. She learned a lot about the political history there and also shared with me a bit about the kind of um, in-betweenness <laughs> of Turkey, both geographically and otherwise. So you'll hear all about that next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Just direct your feet to the sun, side of a street. Can't you hear a pitter 